Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and Rumble. I got removed from YouTube, so you won't find it on that one. And I've got four other podcasts along with my coaching bio.link forward slash podcaster. Don't usually ask for donations, but the costs build up. But I've got a store as well. So even if you get something in the store, that helps. So today I'm bringing back Scott. Scott is Grace's dad. And we what I'd encourage you to do is actually go back to the very first episode. If you're not familiar with this, which was episode 155. Then we done updates on episode 163 and 201. And basically, uh, Scott's daughter was grace 19 and basically murdered by the hospital and she she um she had down syndrome and they put a do not resuscitate on her and we've discussed that in detail but what can i say about scott he's regimental in how he's fighting this he set up a podcast he's created a charity he's done billboards he's put a lot of money in exposing the corruption and he's actually doing a documentary as well now. So please welcome back, Scott. Wow, that was that was very kind of you, Roy. I mean, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, when you're called to obedience, this is what you do. And, uh, you know, one of the things that that I have come to grips with is, and I really only came to grips with this surprisingly after we filed the lawsuit. So we filed the lawsuit on April 11th, just uh, two weeks ago tomorrow. And, um, you know, you, you realize that if the doctors and nurses would have just been obedient at the beginning, so give them the first four weeks of when COVID was announced and nobody knew what was going on. Of course, I shouldn't say nobody, the people planning it knew exactly what was going on. But you know, the doctors and nurses decided to keep taking their paychecks instead of standing. If they would have stood, you know, literally three years ago, we wouldn't be in this mess and Grace wouldn't be dead. And so our lawsuit, I'm just jumping to the end game, but I want to backfill a bit. But, you know, the lawsuit is, um, it's very hard to file a lawsuit. The The laws preclude you from filing so you just start with that. So I, the uh, press has called this a landmark case. It is a landmark case. And it's one of the reasons is it's it's near impossible to file. And, and I'll just give you some specific examples. When you know I first realized that uh, this was a malpractice case. So this is before I thought Grace was murdered. So I just thought it was malpractice, meaning a mistake. And so I talked with I had met a partner in a 300 partner law firm. So gigantic firm. He saw Grace's case and said, Scott, this is huge. And so he introduced me to the best medical malpractice attorney in our state. And so I, I talked with that gentleman and he said, Scott, even in slam dunk cases like this one appears to be, you only have a one in 10 chance of winning. I said, what? I don't get it. What are you talking about? And he said, let me share a story with you because that will explain. He said, I represented a family where the father had a sponge sewed up inside of him as a result of a surgery, and we lost the case. And I said, well, how is that even possible? And he said, I brought in 10 expert witnesses, and they brought 100. And so he said, we, you know, we don't take on medical malpractice cases unless we know 
we can win because the odds of winning is so out there. They circle around, they circle the wagons around themselves. And in our case, I mean, certainly that is no doubt the situation. We're going up against the Ascension Hospital System. They are, they are the second largest nonprofit hospital system in the United States. They're the largest Catholic hospital system. They have 30 billion in cash reserves. So, you know, this is truly David versus Goliath. And then on top of that, my wife, Cindy, and I had no claim. You know, you think about how could you not have a claim? Well, the state statute says because Grace was a legal adult, the parents don't have a claim. So we had to open up an estate for Grace just to file the claim. Um, and then there's no money in the claim. So, I mean, attorneys, so, so you just process, you know, people are throwing attorneys under the bus, which there's plenty of reasons to throw attorneys under the bus, but this isn't one of them the the reality is that there's no money in these cases and the chance of winning is so low that they can't take them on contingency so you got to front you got to pay the bill out of your own pocket uh so that's what it took just to get to the courthouse steps and just on then, that, scott uh sorry to interject but yeah, no, just no from those that aren't familiar with kind of legal cases i've had over 100 cases myself they're not in the medical side but the whole system is corrupt. It was around kind of the property thing. And the reason that they do it, and I believe it's the exact same in the medical side of things, is because they don't want to set a precedent so that people know, okay, I have to spend money now, but I'll get it back tomorrow. They nip it in the bud. So the whole thing is orchestrated so that basically they're in control and they don't have anybody going against them. That's that's spot on. You really nailed it, Roy. Uh, then what we did that was unique, which makes it a substantially more expensive case, is we didn't just sue the hospital. We sued five doctors and two nurses and then left it open to sue multiple more as we get more records. But we we uh, did a, the complaint is uh, 23 pages long. We've listed out the violations. We listed our expert. Uh, so, I mean, we did not, you know, this isn't a frivolous lawsuit. And so what we've got so far is seven different people who contributed to the death of Grace. And, you know, a friend of mine, I'll just share this story because it 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 will is one of the reasons I'm getting this out is I want the entire world to know doctors and nurses are going to be held to account. I want the doctors and nurses to know that because they can they can repent and stop this. And a friend of mine called me after he heard about the lawsuit and said, Scott, do you know why in a firing squad that they all pull the trigger at the same time? I said, no, I don't, I don't know. And he said, that way, no one knows who the killer was. And so that's interesting. So this is like that in a hospital setting, but that's not God's economy. God's economy holds each person accountable for their peace. So, you know, in World War II, uh, the driver of the bus did his part when he drove the Jews to the death camps. So he had a role and he's held to account in God's economy because he knew. And you, you've got to stop. Each person has their responsibility to stop this behavior. And so, you know, it ultimately got to the point where we could finally file a lawsuit. It is, it is... Um, it's so intense. You know, the last four weeks, Roy, have been um, the hardest of this campaign as far as uh, the intensity, the hours. 
um, the weeks before the lawsuit, you know, the, the you know, I had already worked on Grace's case and I know the case better than the attorney. So, I mean, they had to spend time with me to just to get it ready. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> no, it was, it's a, it's a, I, I know from having a lot of, it's a time suck and it's does like for me, it was a financial emotion, but for you, the emotion of your daughter's, the loss of your daughter comes into play, which it's you know nobody can actually understand that 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 is is a million times worse than what I actually had to do with the thing and with with because I because I actually read through the 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 twenty three pages and what what I was thinking is because I remember on one of the things with Jessica that she was saying there was like thirty or more nurses outside in right. reality in reality every single one of them should lose their and they should be brought in as well because if if you call for help their profession is to help you that's their job. And if they right. ignore that, irrespective of saying, oh, the doctor wrote this, like the doctor is not God. You know, if, if a patient is asking for help, they're all liable as well. That's the way I look at it. There's no question. And my, our expectation is that, you know, all those people will get subpoenaed. And, you know, there's going to there's going to be an awful lot of finger pointing, which I think will be helpful because there's there's way more guilty parties than what are listed you know there's going to be administrators um you know this this is a big case you know i'm expecting that we we potentially kind of can uncover things that the public doesn't have any idea is is going on behind the scenes because they've effectively put gag orders on all these people through their paychecks and um you know, some of them actually believe what they're doing is right. And I, I want to transition to that because I, I think it's really important for people to realize that this case has absolutely nothing to do with grace. It has nothing to do with Down syndrome. It has to do with it, um, a eugenics mentality that has been implemented legally, not morally, but legally through the spirit of collectivism. So they have they have trained these doctors and nurses in this idea of rationing care and um, not taking care of useless eaters. This has been trained into this medical system worldwide. And it's I have found some interesting documents that expose it, and I want to share those. Uh, but I'll introduce it by... The uh, after the case was filed, a reporter from the largest uh, newspaper in Wisconsin called me, wanted to do an interview, and uh, so we started the interview. And you know, you know she was fine, uh, polite, and everything. I asked her a lot of questions first, just to get her perspective on things. How awake was she? And you know, ultimately, shortly into the interview, she said, "Do you think Grace was?" Um, killed because she had Down syndrome? I said, yes, I do. And she said, are you a conspiracy theorist? And I said, uh, well, people like you would want to label me that way because then you can discredit what I have to say. Um, but since we're you're on your laptop and I'm on mine, I'm going to send you an email with a couple of documents. And these are the documents I want to show you because I said, I have the proof. So when you have the proof, you're not a conspiracy theorist anymore, are you? And uh, you could almost hear her waking up over the phone when she saw the documents. And then she decided instead of continuing the phone interview, uh, she wants to come up and physically interview me. Um, 
And so, and I, I warned her, I said, you know, you work for the largest liberal newspaper in the state. And if you do your job on, as a reporter on what I'm going to share with you, I said, you will lose your job. And so she's still coming. So we'll see. <laughs> so uh, now yeah, what do I, I, I just hear? recommend that you actually record everything because sometimes they can doctor what we said, take out different things in order to protect yourself, have a full recording yourself. So that well, if they do put out something, which they tend to do, reporters, I'm not saying that 100% of them are, but 99% of them, they don't, they, they're not on our side. So just to... well, I, I agree. I don't know that she's on our side at all, but um, but that's fantastic advice. Thank you for that. I do have um, a a uh, setup that I can record, uh, so I can I can do that. So that that's great advice. So I'll plan on that, Roy. Thank you. Okay. Uh, what I what I shared with her were, was a couple of things, and so one was I think I sent this to you, Roy. If you want to put in the show notes, this is from the. Palliative care, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I had written that right. written down, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the Palliative Care Network of Wisconsin, and so what I'm sharing here is how they get control of the ground game. So this is you could just say Palliative Care Network of, and just put in your state, your country, I, you know, it's the same because they drill it down to how do they infiltrate the medical professionals. And I'm using professionals in quotes, as you you know. I mean, it's redundant to even say that. But uh, so this is titled "Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome." This is a training document. It's written by two MDs, four doctors and nurses, so they know how to deal with Down syndrome patients. And so this is one I sent to the reporter. So first, they introduce. They don't say anything positive. You know, they just list about thirty problems that Down syndrome people have. So uh, as an example, they have dental issues, sleep apnea, hearing impairment, septal defects, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so it's just this whole litany of problems, No, nothing good. So then they start transitioning to um, what they want to get to. So then they, they conclude with that list of problems that these people, these Down syndrome people are an absolute burden to their families. Okay, so this is their statement right in the document. The lifelong toll on families is high. Part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by healthcare workers. I mean, think through what they're saying. Okay, the lifelong toll that Grace had on our family was positive. She made us a better family. She made me a better person. You know, there was no lifelong toll. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's disgraceful to doctors it's, that are yeah. writing that. Like, and I mean, just but for those is... that aren't aware of Grace, like, I mean, you've a load of beautiful videos and everything. And I saw when you were uh, interviewing uh, Nurse Erin, uh, you know, just showing her horse riding, playing the violin, as well as doing some of the other thing. So, like, just to to read that when you know the beauty and joy that she brought into your household is like shame on them they they're not doctors they, they they should be fired immediately for writing something like that oh i agree i absolutely agree 100% but this is the crap you know so they they have no moral foundation you know so god's moral foundation is to treat each person as an individual that and to love them not treat 
everybody that's a useless eater in a different classification and then then develop this code of ethics. I mean, this is their code of ethics to deal with this. And so the here's the conclusion. This this is is I, when I read this, I could hardly believe it. it. Says whenever possible, decision makers. These are the medical professionals. Or people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment. That's their judgment. So the doctor is supposed to use his own judgment to make key palliative care decisions. All efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the person with Down syndrome may not be known. I mean, I mean, it's it's so insane. Okay, so just replace Down syndrome with elderly. You know, because the only uh, one that that document would work for is if you replace it with politicians, then a high percentage yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah that, okay. I, I no, even then, I still want to. I want to love the sinner, hate the sin. Yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. these politicians can stop this too, and they're all guilty. I mean, these politicians should be on trial too. Um, anyway, the so process what this is saying. I mean, do I mean, Roy? You and I know what the the will of each person with Down syndrome is. It's the same as you and me. They want to live. So, the, I mean, it's just it, this is this document should be labeled complete insanity. But that's that's where we're at as a country. So, where do they get this crap from? Well. Like I said, they have adopted this business of collectivism, but then what they do, and it seems like this is a, a spiritual rule between God and Satan. They take these satanic things and they codify them into law. And so the, the Obama administration uh, made sure they hired Ezekiel Emanuel. So this guy is a real nut job, but he is... It believes in this idea of collectivism. So they hire him as the chief architect for Obamacare. And this is what he said in 1996. Services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. Okay, so what does that mean? By the way, every the United States has all this stuff hidden. All the other countries of the world have this stuff out in public. So Canada's got their MAID program, the uh, medical assistance and dying right out in the public. You know, we in the United States, we hide it. And then we point our finger at everybody. You naughty Canadians, you naughty um, Europeans, you know, but it's right out in the public. Uh, Kate Shemarani is exposing the same thing in the UK, but it's way I had to dig for this stuff. You know, she's exposing it. Just it's it's right there, right on the surface. So anyway, this this nut job codifies this crazy thought process. Which, by the way, this applies to every person. Eventually, all of us will be useless eaters at some point in our life, right? So then, once we become a useless eater, we do not deserve medical care. So then, on March twenty third of two thousand ten, Obamacare is passed. So you think, well, Scott, this could never be what you're saying. It can't. It's impossible. Well, I'm going to tell you that uh, the United States has medical assistance in dying, and it is 
So Obamacare is 974 pages. You can look this up yourself. It's on page 141. It's section 1553. The title of section 1553 is Prohibition Against Discrimination on Assisted Suicide. And here's what it says. Individuals, the doctors, or institutions, the hospitals, refusing. So if they refuse to participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing, so they're telling us we're going to kill you via assisted suicide, euthanasia, and mercy killing right in Obamacare. But if you don't want to participate, so you've got a conscience, you may not be discriminated against by the government. Now, here's the here's the real clincher. Uh, Section 1553D. <clears throat> so what if you are discriminated against? The Office of Civil Rights of the Department of Health and Human Services is designated to receive complaints of discrimination based on this section. Okay, so this really is crazy. So we know during the COVID era, any doctor or nurse that spoke out was shunned and generally lost their license, right? Yeah. So now they were discriminated against. Well, to appeal to the Health and Human Services secretary is insanity the health and human services secretary in the united states was given unilateral unilateral authority to determine a public health emergency and he kept it going for 39 months by re-upping it every 90 days while the public health emergency is going on he has unilateral authority to implement policy and guess what he did on november 23rd 22, and it became policy on the 24th, which was Thanksgiving Day, so the press was asleep, he implemented literal death panels. I mean, I I think I may have shared that with, with the your audience last time. If you, I didn't give that to you in the, but if you want that document, I have that document too. You got the literal death panels that were implemented by, this is the person they're supposed to appeal to if they're discriminated against. So no, it's, anyway, I and and like just on that, like like my my parents came to visit me uh, two weeks ago. My mom is uh, seventy three. My dad's seventy seven. They're terrified of having to go to the hospital. Everyone I know, I'm personally terrified of going to a hospital. So it's like we know they're dead camps. Yes. And like, you know, you mentioned uh, like Canada made and like, you know, we, we've talked about the remdesivir and midazolam in the UK. It's like. But there's nothing done with it. Like, so I know how important your case is. It is really important. This is not just for you personally. This is international. It, it's that, right. It is that big of a case. And, you know, we we know that. I feel, uh, I feel the weight of it at times. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. But, you know, people are, I, I know they're counting on us. And, you know, I, I don't want to let them down. And, you know, God is, God is the one that, that, um, He's the you know, that lady asked me last week, how do you keep going? I said, well, I got three things that I can point to. Number one is God. Number two is adrenaline. Number three is coffee. So that combination is, <laughs> is what keeps me going. And oh boy, yeah, I have, it's, uh, you know, it's early morning here. I, I got up this morning at 3.30 a.m. because this interview is 6 a.m. my time. And, uh, you know, you got to, and my last one tonight is that 9, 9 to 10 p.m. Wow. Yeah, because you got it. You know, it's, this is important. Last week, Roy, I had thirty-two interviews. Um, 
you know, because this is this is big time to get this word out. I want every doctor and nurse to know they're going to be held to account. And now I just want I want to close with this because you mentioned being fearful of going to the hospital. And I do want people to be fearful of going to the hospital, but I also want you to know you do have rights. And so let's close with something that people can can use because the rights you have, um, we have, you know, as people really let go of those rights. And certainly the, the hospital system has uh, pounced on that idea. And so I would analogize it to the public school system. So the public school system is an indoctrination program, right? So we can blame a lot of problems on that indoctrination program. But the other half of it has to blame the parents because the parents just send their kids to this babysitting service because they're more concerned about making money and everything else. So you've got, you know, both sides are guilty. And in this case, you know, the, you know, Grace lost her life because of what I'm going to tell you when I shine the light on me. I want to tell you how Grace would have not lost her life. And, you know, so I blew it. And I want to share that with you because that was my piece. The hospital's piece is what they're being sued over. Because just because I didn't do my piece didn't give them the, the right to do what they did to Grace. So there's two pieces. So the piece I want to share is that we have two very fundamental rights that when you enter a hospital, number one is that you have the right to fire the doctor. And there was multiple times I should have exercised that right. Uh, the first doctor who was the COVID expert was extremely arrogant and rude. And I just thought, well, I'll chalk it up to, you know, doctors, a lot of them are arrogant and rude. So no biggie, but I should have just fired him. And, you know, at that point, then the hospital has a responsibility to provide a replacement. And if the replacement doesn't hit the mark either, it's time to move to a different hospital. Okay, so that's that's one right. The second one is significantly more um, important, and that is your right to informed consent. So just start with the premise, you go into the hospital. Generally, they want you to sign this, you know, they give you this stupid little pad, you know, sign your name on this pad. You know, so you're starting already behind the eight ball. Don't ever sign a blank pad. Insist on seeing the documentation that you know, what they want you to sign and then cross off an initial anything that you don't agree with and make sure you, you get a copy. Then you make sure you have your your documents. So don't rely on the documents because they can't save your life, but you need your documents. You need the power of attorney. You need your medical directives, the things that you are agreeing to and not agreeing to in writing and make sure that all of those things are charted. So now they know what your wishes are in writing. Okay, so now what does informed consent look like? Well, first of all, you have to realize that they have a, a responsibility to provide informed consent. And this is the document from the United States. Let's see if you can, you can see it. It's from the American Medical Association, Informed Consent Code of Medical Ethics, Opinion 2.1.1. So I'm gonna read, read it. It says, informed consent to medical treatment is fundamental in both ethics and law. Patients have the right to receive information and ask questions about recommended treatments so that they can make well-considered decisions about care. All right, so informed consent is two words. So in the example, I'll just give, um, uh, let me see, I'll pick on something here. Well, let's say, all right, I'll just use my, my phone. Okay, so you know, I didn't always have one of these, you know, uh, a smartphone. So when I first got a smartphone, I was uninformed. 
So I had to ask a lot of questions. I needed to get my arms around what are the options, the features, the benefits, the costs, the risks, um, alternatives. And that's the same thing you do with every single thing that they want to give you. You ask the doctor a boatload of questions. And then after you've got all your questions answered, so you have your arms around what's going on, then you take time and look up things that he said, uh, call somebody on the outside you trust to do the same. So now you're totally informed. Then you give your consent. It's two separate issues. Informed, get all the information you need, then make the decision, your consent. Don't ever feel pressured unless it's an objective emergency situation to make up. Your, yeah, that's what they do. They want to put you in this mindset that you got to make up your mind right now. Don't do that. You're going to make mistakes if you are fall if you fall trapped to that fear and pressure that they they put you under. So uh, that's my take home message. Uh, I do agree to do your best to stay out of the hospital, but in the event that you need to go into the hospital, um, it's very important that you know that you have those two rights. On Grace's main website, which is ouramazinggrace.net, we have a hospital rescue tab. So if you have all the forms that you would need are there. Uh, and then the the website that we're promoting now is gracesharea.com. And Shara is S-C-H-A-R-A. And it would mean an awful lot to me if everybody who listens to this would go to that website. It's a spot where you can just enter. You'll see that you can just enter your name and email address. And then my daughter, Jessica, is doing regular updates on Grace's story in case we are doing our best to get um, you know, several hundred thousand people to follow the case. And the reason that we want to do that is simple. We're going to be having some calls to action as Grace's story picks up traction. And, you know, we need to rely on the people following that story so that we can create a groundswell. We, you know, we're trying to stop this behavior. Uh, so that's what we're working on now. And I'd really appreciate if everybody would go to gracesharea.com and, and enter your name and email address. And then uh, Jessica will be um, in touch regularly. She's sending out, I think she's sending out something today. Okay, brilliant. And uh, the documentary then, is it, when, when is that going to be released? Because I saw that you've uh, produced, uh, I saw the trailers and it looks very yep. professional. It looks very good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's called Breaking the Oath. Um and so the release date will be set. I think today we have a meeting at four o'clock today with all the parties. Um, so then our goal is to set the release date today. So I think it's going to be before the end of the month yet. Um, I'm not sure. You'll get an email, Roy, when it is. And then if you can post that, uh, it'll be free. So it doesn't cost anything. I think, it, excuse me, I think it's going to be on Rumble is how we'll be releasing it. So, you know, if you would do a, do me a favor and do that, I'd appreciate it once once I uh, once I have that. I'll be sending a blanket email out to uh, all of all of my media contacts, which of course you're one of them. Okay. And just I like I'm not sure if it's your plan, but I know that sometimes uh, uh to have a low to be put up on say but you, from other people to put it up as well because that because People can, I mean, obviously, just for me, say I put it on, say the awake and just mention it. But if I put it on my channel with, say, the bit shoot or whatever, and if a lot of people do that, then it gets to the millions. So I'm not sure if it's something that you're doing, but it's something that I would actually recommend, especially that you're not charging for it. And people will get, see all your information and I think they'll start following you as well. But So it's just something to to consider. 
Well, thank you very much for that. Yeah, I'll um, as soon as we're done here, I'll make a note in my because I've got notes for the meeting today at four o'clock. So I'll add that to the notes that we get in on all those those platforms. Okay. So Scott, as always, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I'll make sure I'll put all the links that you mentioned both on the audio and the video. And as always, you're always welcome back. As soon as there's updates, it's I love what you're doing. It, you give me hope with what's going on in the world. And with the advice that you gave today is actually fantastic because a lot of people don't realize that you can actually fire the doctor and same as moving hospital as well. Because I actually know that somebody in Poland, they were in a hospital and they were getting treated like crap. And they basically, when they went to some other hospital just for a test because they couldn't do it now, she cried and begged them not to send her back. And they did. And like, you know, it's so just the advice that you gave, what you're doing. Thank you very much, Scott. And I look forward to having you back again. Well, it's uh, Ed, you're one of the uh, people that I enjoy talking with the most because, I mean, you would obviously get it uh, and you're just willing to to let me share freely with with uh, with what I've been learning. And I, I appreciate you very much, Roy. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, Scott. So that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and Rumble. And be sure to subscribe to Scott's channel. He's also got the podcast. I'll give the link for that as well. It all helps give a five-star rating. And, you know, he's got a lot of costs associated with this. So if you can, perhaps give him a donation. Until next week, take care.